You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday. Thanks for tuning in here today on the Steve Day Show free podcast, courtesy of our benevolent overlords here at CRTV, who make this free for you, the people. Steve at SteveDace.com is the email address, how you can let us know what you think about what we think. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. And it occurred to me because we've only got two more feedback episodes before we're done for the year. We have today. Wednesday's our last day of work. Uh, for 2017 and then we're off until january 3rd so wednesday's free podcast we're going to empty out as much of the inbox as we possibly can but it occurred to me today and not just because i forgot my laptop which gives me access to my company email i just want to state that for the record this isn't the only reason this occurred to me all right it's the only reason it occurred to me but doesn't mean it's still not a good idea all right it occurred to me once i realized i forgot my laptop that uh, has all my uh, company emails on it that we really do shortchange our social media interactions here on Feedback Friday. So since I do have my iPad here, which gives me access to all my social media, we're going to just do strictly social media feedback we've gotten today. All right? That's what we're going to do here today. Also, we just got done taping the Dace Group Roundtable for CRTV. Todd, Aaron, and Kim are here with us in studio. Let's find out uh, a little bit of uh, what you have Heading your way today via CRTV with a little preview. Todd, I'll start with you. I thought we had a really good, honest, totally open conversation about uh, the First Amendment and Islam as it applies to a particular uh, instance of something an imam said uh, during a um, at a mosque. And uh, there are... So- we, we disagreed on the degree to which there are uh, easy answers, but I think we did find answers on some fronts. Um, this is, but this, this is a genuine, I mean, we're always searching for uh, clarity whenever possible on this show. This is a, as tough an issue, I think, as there is to find bedrock on in some places there are just some places as uh, as i said on the show benjamin franklin uh if you're willing to sacrifice um uh liberty for security you often deserve neither and he was right aaron um instead of looking back at the show i think it's time i've been meaning to do this the last couple of days so i'm kind of calling an audible here um if you're listening to this podcast the vast majority i see the stats the vast majority of you are not crtv subscribers But on Wednesday, we are doing our year-end TV show for free for you, the people, on Facebook Live. It'll be at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Wednesday night. And during that time, if you've been on the edge about getting CRTV, we're giving you a very a, a big discount. We're going to give you 20 bucks off an annual discount during that TV show. And it's actually going to be open for the next uh, couple of days after that as well. Uh, if you're doing some last-minute Christmas shopping and you really need uh, something else as maybe a stocking stuffer or, or as the main gift, 
uh, this would be a great opportunity to get your CRTV subscription. More info on that later, but it's going to be our typical year-end show. Uh, we'll have uh, the year-end review, Steve's uh, crystal ball from the year uh, that was in the year to come, a lot of other fun stuff. And when you help us reach our subscriber goal, Steve, do you mind if I announce this? Absolutely. Okay. Go for it. When you help us reach our our subscriber goal, new subscribers, you're going to get CRTV along with all of the other actually talented people, Phil Robertson, <laughs> Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, Stephen Crowder. Uh, you're going to get a Steve Dace mug with Steve Dace's mug on it. And when you help us reach our subscriber goal for that show, at the end of the show, we have a very special gift for you. Steve is going to sing his least favorite Christmas songs via karaoke while wearing a MAGA hat. That's what we do for the people. I want to see that. So Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Facebook Live. It's free for you, the people. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's nothing. Nothing I am not willing to do for the people. Yeah. Nothing. That's true. Oh, challenge accepted. <laughs> Kim. <laughs> Um, I really enjoyed all, all the conversation, but also, you know, just talking about um, how credible is Mueller now? How credible is Peter Stroke? How is um, how is it going to move forward? I thought that was an excellent um, discussion. All right. Well, if you want to watch today's show, CRTV.com, promo code DACE. And don't forget that offer that to Aaron throughout that's coming next Wednesday with our very last show of the year, our annual Christmas episode. Also next week, if you're not yet a CRTV subscriber, Monday and Tuesday is our two-part year-end Dace Group Roundtable, year-end review. So we're going to go over, <clears throat> I think I lost count, is it 37, 38? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was... It's a lot. Uh, yeah, it's a lot. It was a ton of fun doing it on the radio. It's going to be even better with the, uh, the visual element as well. So Monday and Tuesday, two parts, our year-end Dace Group Roundtable. We're going to break it all down. Can't wait for that. All right. Yeah. Wednesday's show, by the way, is going to be number 200 here on CRTV. Wow. We there timed that perfectly. It did work out pretty well. All right. Let's get to some feedback. You guys ready? Ready. All right. Let's start with, I've, I've gotten a ton of feedback off the podcast we did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, me okay. too. <laughs> I don't know what it means that I think I might have gotten more positive feedback off of that show than anything we've done all year. <laughs> it means politics is dead. I hope, I'm going with that. Yeah. Right? I'm going with that. All right, because the alternative is that I'm much better at losing my mind over good housekeeping uh, Christmas movie list than I am my life's work. And I don't want to, I would prefer not to believe that's true, you know, so I'm not just wasting my time and taking all these bullets for nothing. So I'm going to go with people wanted a break from politics and they just loved how we handled that. All right, I'm going with that. But we got a ton of of and it's it's still coming of positive reaction to the free podcast we did yesterday so you don't want to miss it when you go to the archives i want to start with a uh, a somewhat difficult question uh, this is from carol harbisek and she asks how is glenn beck who i admire so much a basher of roy moore yet a defender of bill o'reilly it is truly getting me angry i don't know the answer to this because I'm sure Glenn Beck could get emails that say, how's your buddy Steve Dace defending Roy Moore, but he instantly thinks Bill O'Reilly is guilty. It works both ways. If you want to ask me that question, I, I can't, don't ask Glenn Beck about what you see as a discrepancy with me. 
Ask me. I'll tell you. For those of you that know, if Roy Moore had shelled out $30 million to silence uh, or to settle uh, accusations, you know, uh, you never heard his name on this show one time. Okay? I mean, I don't know anybody who hands $30 million to somebody because they're innocent. Especially when it probably wouldn't cost you $30 million to defend yourself. I mean, even the best attorneys aren't going to cost you $30 million, right? So if you're Bill O'Reilly, you can afford the best attorneys money can buy. You go buy yourself one or two of those, and you say, sick them. I'm not, I'm not ruining my reputation. Where I'm getting daily mocked. I'm, I'm Jake Tapper's daily Twitter fodder, is what Bill O'Reilly is right now. It's like when Jake Tapper needs a slump buster, let me head over to Bill O'Reilly's Twitter account, just hammer him for a little bit, make everybody forget what CNN did wrong today. That's kind of what he is now. Bill O'Reilly exists to get to be a pinata clubbed over the head. When I was a kid, they, we had these videos we used to rent. Our parents didn't like us renting, called Faces of Death. Do you remember those, Todd? I do. And they were supposedly depictions of real life deaths. I'm not sure any of them are real. My favorite episode, though, is the one where they were clubbing the monkeys in Africa. They would club. Do you ever see that one where they hit the mallet? I never saw any of them. Hit the monkeys over the head with the mallet, and then they and they cracked their skulls and ate their brains. I think the whole. I think it was all faked. And I bet you, if we watched them today with today's special effects, we would recognize none of this is real. All right. But when you're 12 in 1985, you think this might be the coolest thing of all time. <laughs> All right. It's over there laughing. I'm like okay. horrified by this. Windows in today's. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. All right. Um, how, so how in the world did that tie into this conversation I was just having uh, is beyond me. Oh yeah, now I remember. Okay. So essentially Jake Tapper, Bill O'Reilly is Jake Tapper's monkey. He just taps his, he just cracks the skull. Oh, that's how. Scoops up his brains. <laughs> that's what's it. going on here. He just, he, 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 when he gets hungry, he just, you know, has, has a bite out of Bill O'Reilly. And that, that Bill O'Reilly's a self-parody. Why would you do that to yourself? You were the most powerful man in all of cable news. It wouldn't cost you $30 million to hire an attorney to defend yourself, would it? Nope. Might cost you three to 10. That's pennies on the dollar compared to 30 million to lose your reputation. He paid $30 million to lose his reputation. Who does that of their own volition? I'm not even going to ask him. All of us here with a penis, would you do that, Aaron? Oh, my gosh. I'm watching this Faces of Death monkey. (laughs) They put it in the middle of a table. Oh, my. What is wrong with these people? No, I wouldn't do that. Todd, would you do that? No. Hell no, you wouldn't do that, man. That's That's when you do listen to the Southern Hemisphere. A lot of times, men, we were wrong to listen to the Southern Hemisphere. This is one time the Southern Hemisphere kicks in and says, are you kidding me with this? You built this entire empire and you're, you're just going to lose it all? Hell no, we're squashing that. We didn't do this. That's what the Southern Hemisphere thinks if you're innocent. Now, what the Southern Hemisphere thinks when you're guilty is pay whatever it takes to make this go away and hope nobody notices. That's what the Southern Hemisphere thinks that. Now, so if Roy Moore was out there handing out checks to make this all go away, I'd have been off this thing faster than you could have said Roy Moore yourself. To me, that's a pretty big distinction. Now, I also don't know Bill O'Reilly. I've never worked with him. Glenn Beck has. So just as I have personal experience with Roy Moore, I have a hard time reconciling. I'm sure to some extent he does with Bill O'Reilly. But that's a question for Glenn. I'm happy to answer my... And I know why you guys ask me, because we're kind of part of the same family here and we're frustrated and I get it. It's Kim. It's not any different than, you know, if you've got an in-law and you're frustrated and you go ask the other member of your family who's frustrated, the same in-law right. and you kind of just want to, you know, vent. And I understand that. But, um, 
I'm not, I'm not the one to ask that question of. And I, and I get this stuff a lot about a lot of people. And I did this about six months ago, so let me do it again. I, I, I don't know. And you'd have to ask them. Here's what I can say for Glenn. He allowed me to come on his show a month and a half ago and, and share my side of the story about why I wasn't abandoning Roy Moore. You know, so I, 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 I don't know anybody... If you, if you didn't vote for Roy Moore in the past in Alabama, and if you didn't know him as well as, as I thought I did anyway, I don't know how anybody could not believe what they saw without that personal background, given the environment in which we are in. That's why I've tried to extend an immense amount of grace to those who pronounced him guilty. I've also noticed it often has not yet been returned. Here's the problem, though, that I have as a Christian with grace. I'm not allowed to extend it conditionally because it wasn't extended to me conditionally. And so we love because he first loved us. So since he extended grace to me unconditionally, I will extend it unconditionally to others, even though so often that is not returned. I get a tweet every day or a hundred from somebody who voted for somebody credibly accused of raping multiple women for president and his wife rape, uh, allegedly rape enabling wife for president again you backed a pedophile for senator when as Todd pointed out this isn't even the right definition of pedophile but it's not worth arguing about in this case that's the world in which we live and it puts it puts handcuffs on people with our worldview because we're not allowed to play by the same rules that the world does that's why I said I can't, that's why I said when we did this show about when I bared my soul on these allegations three weeks ago I said flat out I don't know you cannot vote in my view you cannot morally vote for Roy Moore if you think he's guilty I don't believe you can do that I, I don't believe we as believers are allowed to say we would vote for something that heinous because of blank I think there are times and I've said this throughout my career there are times for we as believers where the answer is I don't know we're in this world not of it here I stand I can do no more may God have mercy on my soul I'm not I wasn't saved to play this game I'm not here to play this game you guys can play that yourselves but if there's no clear good then I can't play I think that we are called to do that at times and the fact that um Lots of believers, there's lots of martyred believers throughout the course of time in history, indicates I'm right about that. Because why were they executed? Because they were willing to play by the culture's rules? You're right. I'll, Polycarp, you're right. I'll just say Kaiser Curious this one time. You guys be on your way and I'll enjoy my retirement out here in Smyrna. No, it's because we cannot play by the world's rules. When its rules are, you must do what you know is wrong. You must. No, I don't. I do not do that. And if the price is, I do what is wrong and risk offending you by not doing it or risk offending him by doing it, I fear the one who not just can destroy the body but can destroy the body and cast the soul into hell. That's the word. That's the rules. We just don't often want to play by them, particularly here in America as believers because we love our cold comforts. And I do too, you know. I've got my vacation lined up. Wife went out, bought Star Wars Battlefront for me last night while Noah and I were at the first screening of The Last Jedi. I know my, most of my Christmas vacation will be in a basement when I'm not watching bowl games, taking my, my daughter shopping, and having date nights with the wife, the rest of it, or sleeping. The rest of it will be in that man cave with Noah playing Battlefront. He's been waiting a month and a half for this. That's a level of luxury and, and comfort no other civilization in the world has ever been able to afford. So I understand. I enjoy my comforts too. 
I built myself a man cave so I'd never have to leave the house if I didn't want to. I like it. But we can't let those things become our idols either. And because then they hold us hostage. And so sometimes we have to say to the world, I won't do that. I won't make that choice. It's a false choice. I won't play by those rules. You guys have any thoughts on that before we move on? No. Nope. Nailed it. Yeah. I, uh, it's a good question, Carol. It is a good question. And uh, I, I echo that. I mean, that's the, that's the choice. That, that's the, I think, stated, what you just stated is as good of an explanation as what we have talked about. Because we had this conversation many, 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 many times in 2016. And it's a good reminder. Um, it's not just in politics, but that's where these types of choices, it seems like, uh, the rubber meets the road most often. Well, really simply, I will say, because we talked about it briefly yesterday, Steve, but in the specific instance of Steve's relationship with the judge or Glenn's relationship with Bill, you have to ask yourself, what are the bounds of friendship? What were they for you before this happened? Um, because I think the bounds of a true friendship is when things really go bad, were you there for me? To what degree were you, were you there for me, if you could? Uh, to what degree did you give me at least the benefit of the doubt? And that was a, a huge question. I asked it of uh, myself. I mean, I supported Roy Moore uh, as a candidate before all this came up. I, I don't know the man. And all of us uh, need to think about that beyond the politics of it. I mean, how do you define uh, friendship? And how far, I mean, there's no um, greater love than he will lay down his life for a friend. So there that's one thing that spider webbed off of this uh for us as a show so there's all kinds of parameters i would say don't get too upset with glenn over this for that one reason they do seem to be have been friends for a long uh time and um before you just reach the hypocrite card with a guy like glenn i might say that just it's just too hard for him that might be the case Derek Carmichael wants to know, what program have you been using uh, with your uh, fitness regimen? Um, twofold. First of all, diet's the most important thing, particularly the older you get, it becomes even more important. When your body doesn't have the testosterone it used to have, it's harder to produce the muscle tissue that you used to be able to, have the endurance you used to have, have the metabolism you used to have, okay? So uh, I'll start with that. I don't believe in having, I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a scientist. I, I'm somebody who has a lot of experience losing well over 100 pounds over the last eight years, though. So I think that somewhat counts for something. I don't believe for all of us it's as simple. And my, and my journey has taught me one thing. Through that, through that excursion, it is not as simple for everybody as calories in, calories out. Particularly when you look at the additives, the fillers, the chemicals that we put in a lot of our foods today that we didn't put in past eras in order to satisfy mass production. It's just not that. There are things we put in our bodies that have very low calorie counts that our bodies cannot digest. Don't know what they are. Not even everybody, for example, when you look at diet soda, not everybody's body even metabolizes that the same. Some bodies recognize, recognize it as a zero sugar formula and therefore do not metabolize it as sugar, meaning it doesn't raise your insulin levels. Other bodies don't do that. So if you've ever seen somebody, so if you're somebody, for example, who's been working out really hard and, you, and, 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 
and your overall and I don't agree with diet. I just use that term. How about lifestyle, eating style? We'll go with that. Because diets for dieting's for losers. It's a temporary gesture. If your eating lifestyle is fairly good, fairly disciplined, your workout schedule is fairly disciplined, if you feel stymied, or if you haven't made the progress you thought after a few months, look at what you're drinking. Your body may metabolize diet sodas or diet teas. It may spike your insulin levels. Meaning, what do I mean by that? It means when you drink it, it's just like you're drinking the real thing. Your body cannot tell the difference. Right? We are individualized humans. There isn't one formula, I believe, that helps absolutely everybody. Particularly when you look at the chemicals and additives and fillers that go into our foods and drinks that did not in previous eras. So what worked for me originally to help with a huge weight loss was a low-fat, low-sugar, typical shock to the system with a really heavy workout schedule. But after a while, I stymied and I plateaued. So what I've been doing for the last, oh, I started this in um, July of 2016, is I've been doing a mod, there's, there's variations of this, but essentially it's called keto. And the goal of this process is to train, train your body to burn fat for calories instead of everything else. So the way God made your body, God made your body to store fat. Why? Because Adam and Eve, man, couldn't stop at McDonald's last night after Star Wars The Last Jedi when they got hungry because the movie was at six o'clock. You know, when they killed that buffalo out there, that might be the last thing they ate for uh, a day. So it better last. So your bodies were made originally to store fat. Now, that was great until we live in today's industrial era. Like we went to one of these uh, Living History Farms, this farming attraction here in Des Moines for people that live here. And several years ago, some friends of ours took us out there to one of their theme dinners. And so you, they literally make it there on site and you eat like whatever the year of the theme is. And so the, the theme year for us was 1913. And we ate dinner and everything. It was cooked all that they would have done it on a farm in 1913. I could not believe how high in fat and high in sugar this meal was. It was too rich even for my blood. And Todd, you know I've got a sweet tooth. All right? I do. They were literally dining on, they were literally snacking on sugar cubes in between courses. All right? <laughs> and I'm like, how was everybody not 900 pounds? Well, um, what would dad and the sons, where were they all day before they came in for dinner? Fine. Working. Yeah, they were up at the crack of dawn eating a massive breakfast. They worked, took a lunch break, worked some more. And when they came, it's why Michael Phelps is on a 5,000 calorie diet, guys, who's won, what is it, 38 gold medals or something? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because they're, they're, the metabolic output that they are doing required more caloric intake. Most of us don't have those sorts of lifestyles anymore. Most of us have sedentary jobs, like working in a place here like CRTV. And so a lot of the old formulas are out the window. And I think you have to look at what your lifestyle is, what your metabolic rate is, what your body can do. What, what my, where I'm at right now is my body responds very well to this keto program. And the way it works is, depending on what your activity level is, there's a certain amount of carbs, net, net carbs minus fiber, you stay under a day. And the point of that is, when you starve your body of mass carbs... Eventually, it will learn to burn fat for its fuel. So when you work out, you're burning off the fat now. All right, and so this is this has helped me reach a different level. I kind of plateaued, you know, I lost about 100 pounds the first four or five years I did this, and I kind of plateaued the next two or three years, and then in the last two years, I've lost another 30, 40 pounds. Now, I'm not on it right now because I go off of it about a week before Thanksgiving and then through the end of the year. Why? Because it's America, and I'm enjoying my holidays. All right. 
And then when we get done with the holidays, I'll be so sick of carbs again that I'll be anxious to go back on this because my body's like, okay, we got tired of all the KK. And I'll just get back on it again. It also helps me a lot with digestion. A lot of us in this day and age have digestion issues. A lot of us, that's why, you know, Aaron is a full-fledged celiac. A lot of people think they have a gluten intolerance. They don't. What they have is their bodies cannot digest all the chemicals and fillers that are in the carbs that they're eating. Food, dinners out of a box, foods out of a can. Your body can't digest that stuff. That's why I go get a, go get a diagnosis like Aaron did, so you can find out: Do I have an? Do I am I really a celiac, or as, can my body not digest the foreign the foreign substances I'm putting into it? All right. And so since I have since I'm since I am starving my body of carbs, guess what? I don't eat a lot of. I don't eat except for this time of year. I don't eat a lot of white flour, which means I don't. I eat a lot of things that are made on a grill, fried in a pan meaning a food that comes directly from the source to preparation to my table. There's not five steps in between. You know what I'm trying to say? You're not and eating so, out of a box. Yeah, and so since I'm not putting all those chemicals and fillers and preservatives in my system, because, because the foods with the higher chemicals, preservatives, and fillers are the ones with the higher carbs. So since I'm not putting those things in my system, the amount of heartburn, the amount of tummy issues, I struggled with this for many, many years, even after I initially lost all the weight, has been heavily helped by this regimen. Um, and then the, the amount of carbs goes to what you're, so for my, with my workout schedule, the way I work out, and my emphasis is on explosion workouts. What does that mean? So for today, here's what, here, here was my workout today after a warmup, and then there was, then there was a cool down of, of power stretching. What does that mean? It means we stretched when our heart rate was still high, so we were still burning fat and calories during the stretch period. So the, the, the mean workout for me was between those two periods, and this is what Noah did with me, was a 30-minute what's called an AMRAP, as many rounds as possible. And their AMRAP was uh, push-ups with a kettlebell, meaning that I'm using the kettlebell for extra resistance instead of just my body weight as a push-up, meaning I've got it here on the, on the floor and I'm using it. I've got my hand underneath, so I'm adding another 40 pounds to my normal push-up weight as I do that. All right, so it's 10 of those. 10 power squ- 10 squats with the push with this kettlebell which means I then get back up to have the kettlebell I held it while I do my squats to again add resistance and then 10 what are called get up sit ups so I'm holding the kettlebell same kettlebell above my head while I do a sit up and the reason why I go up down up down up down is because that helps the body's ex- with, with the explosion level by not just the, if you keep doing the same routine for a long time if you're a bigger guy, now if you're built leaner like your daughter who was literally, you can tell her body type, she was made to run. But if you are built with, a, with more muscle mass, a, fra- a, a bulkier frame, then you, your body will retain that fat with a routine. You need to shock it. So the more times you get up, the more times you get down, the more times you change motions, the more times you change the weight and the resistance around and the activity around requires more, your body to work and exert more caloric output in order to give you the energy to pull that off. And then at the end, it's a tenth of a mile run. And you just do that as many, you do that circuit as many times as possible in the span of 30 minutes. That would be an example of a typical explosion workout I will do in a day. You do it every day? Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Thursday. Uh, as I've gotten older, I gotta have a day off, man. I, I'm still sore from Wednesday's workout, and it's Friday afternoon. So Thursday's my day off. In the fall, except in the fall, because uh, Saturday's ha <laughs> sacrosanct. Um, except in the fall, Saturday I will go in and strictly do a cardio run. 
So I'll have five days of working out. Sunday's a day of rest, Thursday's a day of rest. And then in the fall, even though, though a lot of times what I'll still do on a Saturday, college football Saturday is while I'm watching college game day, I'll sit there for 30 minutes and I'll do uh, Tabata push-ups, which is 30 seconds off, 30, second, 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off, and I'll just do that back and forth for 30 minutes while I'm watching college game day. So I'm still doing something, okay? I probably told you way more, Derek, than you asked, but... Uh, and the reason why I post the numbers and stuff that we do is because I'm in excellent shape. I still have a bit of a belly on me, though. And I'm just a normal-looking 44-year-old guy. So I'm not American Ninja Warrior or anything like that. If I can do this, because we're getting close here in a few weeks, everybody's going to get their New Year's resolutions on, right? If, if I can do this, you can do this. I, I, I should post again. In fact, I've got it here with me because the gal that runs our gym wanted, wanted, wanted to see a copy of it. This is what I looked like when Todd and I first met. Ever seen that picture before, Ken? I have never seen that. Remember, you've seen this picture before, haven't you, Todd? Yeah, I knew that okay. guy. Yeah. This is what I, and I should post this again. You should. Now, it's odd, too, because I put a lot of tread on my tires because I was a pretty good athlete growing up. And then in my 20s and into my 30s, I got morbidly obese. And then in my late 30s, now into my mid-40s, I've worked hard on getting back into shape. That's a lot of, because here's the thing. This is why I say diets suck. You don't want to go through the top up and down with your body. That is not good. And when, you, when the woman says to you, well, you know, I know, I know Weight Watchers works. It works all seven times I've gone. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's not good. Don't do that. The, the reason I love keto is, I, it's, it's, well, Steve, it sounds like Atkins, except you are allowed to, to carb on this diet or on this lifestyle, provided you offset it with fiber. Why? Because fiber helps with fat burning, metabolism, digestion, other things, okay? So for me, I have to keep it, when I'm doing it actively, I keep it under 40 grams, net grams of carbs a day. And, and what made Atkins, I tried Atkins when I, year, way back when, when I first wanted to lose weight, I tried Atkins thinking, I'm just gonna eat bacon and hamburgers all the time. It'd be great. I, I, after a month, man, I would have I eaten the bird live because it had feathers on it, okay? This gives you some garbage yeah because it it does even for a pure carnivore like me it does get old all right so you know um bananas are bad because they're basically all sugar other than loaded with potassium but you know uh, strawberries are okay so you can get some carb in here more well-rounded action just have to keep it capped under a certain number any questions on this? You guys okay with this? That's basically what I do. For uh, I, I eat a lot of meat, uh, and I try to get more vegetables and green stuff in there, but a lot of meat, and you've been noticing I've been bringing in my um, thing of, of nuts in. That gives me more fiber a little bit, uh, too. It works fine for me. Uh, and by the way, I mean, kudos kudos to you uh, as well, because I've, I've various and sundry uh, occasions, I will go back on YouTube and look for various speeches you've given that we've used for podcasts, and mm -hmm. I can't believe the guy that just walked out of the studio is 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 the same dude. So it, the drift difference is real, my friend. I appreciate that. You know, I, one of the things too is when you're really heavy, you don't think you're as heavy as you are. Like. Do you and see my a picture, and then the other way. Then now it's the other way around for me. I am f much more conscious about conscious about uh, self conscious about my size than I was when I was that guy in that picture I just showed you. And it's weird too because even now we go to amusement parks and stuff. And what and what got me going on keto 
is um, we went to Universal Studios uh, for Christmas and we in 2015. And we just, the kids and I, Amy and the kids and I just decided, you know what, instead of spending money on Christmas gifts, let's do something, do another vacation because we loved when we went to Disney. So we did Universal instead. And I had gotten over being worried about do I fit in certain roller coasters and things of that nature because I'd lost enough weight, it wasn't an issue anymore. I could start to feel some of the, the seats getting a little snug again. And I don't weigh myself a lot because it doesn't really tell you as much as you think, other than giving you the right trend. There's a lot of skinny people, but a lot of crap in their in their uh, in their in their bodies that could not do. They they tap out ten minutes into the thirty minute workout I did today. They couldn't handle it. All right, so I went and weighed myself though, and I was at like two nine seven. And I know from my history, if I let this thing hit three. That is like when, uh, you know, in, in It's a Wonderful Life, when George Bailey's brother starts going down the hill and he can't stop and he ends up in the, in the, in the, in the cold in the water pond. at the end and loses. Once, you hit, once that scale hits three, man, you, you start skidding at that point. And so I started looking around for a couple of months because it wasn't because I was still working out regularly. So it wasn't that. Clearly, it was what I was eating. But, but I knew I couldn't just do a strictly Atkins thing. So what could I do? And a buddy of mine, actually was a mutual friend of ours, Chad Steenhook, who used to be on our state central sure. committee here in Iowa. Yeah. Um, I followed his progress. And I go, what did you do? And he told me, and I did some research, like, I'm going to give this a shot. And it's been, it's been great for me. I've really enjoyed it. So I'm actually more conscious about it now, though. You know, like I'm constantly like, oh, what does that look like? You know, or... I, because you're a TV star? No, I think it's because... You, and it's when you lose and I'm not a TV star but when you lose a bunch of weight that's when you start to realize how heavy you really were you know what I mean because you rationalize it oh yeah I know you rationalize it <laughs> Kim's like I got I that I preach totally sister I, I totally that. was there <laughs> yeah Kim just gave me it's your words I've never spoken in this on this Ooh, table yeah. I did that so <clears throat> anyway I, I spent more time on that than I probably should have but <clears throat> Pardon me. I know we're coming to the time of year that a lot of people listening to us right now are going to be making the play. So some advice. Don't look for a diet. Look for something you can live. If you're not physically active, the good news is it actually doesn't, you don't have to, you don't have to do what I do. I had to keep, I had to keep amping up my workouts because if I don't, my body will settle. I have to keep cr- coming up with new ways to make this suck because your body will get used to it and I'll, 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 you know, I will plateau. The good news is if you're not physically active at all, it doesn't take a lot of physical activity to kick your, your metabolism is sitting there like a pilot light on a furnace. It's waiting for you to light it. So if you're thinking, oh, there's no way I could do that. I could not have done this three years ago. What I do now, I could not do. And what I did three years ago, I couldn't do that. I keep having to up the ante because, I mean, I remember when I first started doing explosion workouts, running a lap around the building, I could not run a full lap. The, 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 the concrete, the impact on my legs and everything, I couldn't do it. You know, now I can. I can run multiple laps now. But it took years of getting there. So um, look for a way you can live. And if you're married, um, it's going to be really hard to do this, particularly on the diet side. Um, it's going to... This is you guys. This is why my kids get involved. They've done it with me and stuff like that. Look for a way that you can actually live. That would be my first tip. Don't look for a diet. Don't look for a quick fix. All right, over on Twitter, Joshua Flournoy does not believe uh, the last week 
and a half has been damaging to the Mueller probe against Trump. Here's why. Unless you were already inclined to be against the probe, it doesn't damage anything at all. No comments, pro or con, Trump from an investigating agent changes what evidence exists against Trump and his team, proof that will be needed for any charges slash convictions. Kim, I'm going to start with you. You've been an attorney. You buying that? I am not buying that just because um, it's you can't separate the bias that goes in and some of the stuff will be thrown out. I mean, you look at what the dossier, who paid for it, was it used for the FISA warrants to go after Trump? It could all be tainted. Right. Because was the evidence planted? What's the chain of evidence? Yep. How, how, did, how was the evidence acquired? I mean, the reason we have a Fourth Amendment, for example, is the, is the integrity of the evidence and the one doing the collection speaks to the integrity of the evidence itself. Exactly. That's why this is so damaging. What do you think, Aaron? Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, it's, it, they may have legit evidence, but if the uh, integrity of the person doing the, uh, you know, showing the evidence is in question, then that negates the evidence itself. I mean, you look at, the, go back to the 2016 campaign, the Trump comments caught on uh, Access Hollywood, that happened how many years before that? And it was announced... Uh, right before the election. Well, you know, that was that didn't hurt Trump. He went on to win. Okay, the whole Hillary emails thing, that was an ongoing s- story. So there was evidence there, but it just it it doesn't matter when the person presenting the evidence uh, has their credibility questioned. Having, having said that, Joshua, I agree that it won't stop Mueller. I mean, this is going to continue for years. Yeah, this is different. You know, I said to a friend of mine that I was having, uh, I was meeting with recently who I was discussing the credibility of my faith in Christianity. And one of the things I said to him was, if every Christian in America is a hypocritical heel piece of poop, it doesn't change whether Jesus walked out of that tomb or not. It may change the credibility of their own belief in him and their own, their own faith in terms of their own commitment to Jesus' teachings. But it doesn't change the credibility of whether Jesus walked out of that tomb or not. Now, let's say we didn't have an objective claim like that. So to Joshua's point, if we caught Trump on film taking a bribe from Vladimir Putin, would would the credibility of Peter Stroke matter if we had that kind of evidence? No. Do we have that kind of evidence? Not that I've seen. So therefore... Since we do not have, at least at this point in time, that sort of ir- what they call irrefutable evidence. Since such irrefutable evidence does not exist, we now only can get by on the credibility of the secondary evidence offered and collected by the investigators and those that are looking into this matter, and that's when it becomes an issue. So if we did not have an empty tomb, if, if, if we did not have that, then it would will then then the faith would would rest on the credibility of those who claim to believe it, right? But since we we have a claim, did he walk out of that tomb or not? It doesn't rest on the credibility of the believer at all, any more than the the existence of gravity rests on whether or not Isaac Newton was faithful to his wife his entire life. It's irrelevant. It doesn't matter if he beat his kids. Did, was gravity there before Isaac Newton? The apple fell on Isaac Newton's head. Yeah. Will it be there after he was gone? Yeah. Does it matter how many women he cheated on? Now, I, don't, I don't know what Isaac Newton's life was like. I'm making an ex- example here. It could be a pedophile out. doesn't change the existence of gravity. Gravity is the irrefutable evidence here. It might change our opinion of Isaac Newton. doesn't change the, the existence of gravity. Since we don't have irrefutable evidence, 
then we're being asked to take a lot of circumstantial things and piece them together. Who are the people doing the piecing together? Who are the people collecting the circumstantial evidence? Some of the people that are in question here, Todd, that's why I think it does a lot of damage, but what do you think? It absolutely does damage, but probably not as much as it could partially because of Trump's lack of integrity outside the specifics I agree of this, with that too. Yeah. this issue. I Which mean, is why there's a built-in audience of people who want, who are willing to believe right. it and want to believe it because of right. what you just said. You know, but the hope of the Mueller probe is it would rise above all of that. Yeah. At that spo- we, if it's not, we're not at the point that it no longer can. We are, we are perilously close to it. That's why I think he needs to get on camera. He needs to do some. He needs to. He needs to put some of that resume and record that everybody has so much respect for. He needs to put some of that skin in the game. He right needs now. to go in front of but, the committee. Yes, because if we had anybody else, your your average run of the mill prosecutor that they could have appointed, I would make the argument. The only thing, the reason this thing is still even open for business is Robert Mueller's resume. If it was anybody else, I think Republicans in Congress would have said, "We're not. We're not giving you another dime. You can keep this thing open all you want. We're not funding any. We're not. We're not giving you another dime for this. We don't care." I think the only reason it is open is because of his credibility. Earlier today, I tweeted out that uh, why I thought um, Rex Tillerson was Trump's worst hire. That he's a progressive corporatist. Even Bannon and Reince Priebus, who various people rightly and wrongly despise for various reasons, you could see why he made those choices. They represent factions he feels like he has to satisfy. Tillerson represents nothing Trump needs. He's a, he's a corporatist progressive who undermines Trump's foreign policy. Patrick Miranda says, Steve, what is Trump's foreign policy exactly? That's a good question. So let me, let me clarify my tweet with this response. When Trump went to Riyadh, Saudi Arabia in May and gave what I thought was a great foreign policy speech, Tillerson responded the next couple of months by undermining it. Undermined Saudi Arabia when they wanted to confront Qatar and Al Jazeera. Undermined it uh, in... in in multiple ways, including the one I just indicated. When, um, when Trump said last week he was going to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, Tillerson now says, well, it might be three or four years before we can move the embassy. That's this guy's act. He has literally done television interviews saying, well, I just kind of do my own thing. I don't really care what the president says. That's essentially what he has said. Why he still has a job is beyond me. And I would argue, as much as Trump struggles is the, is the dog and up squirrel, one of the reasons why we don't know what Trump's foreign policy is, is this guy undermines a lot of the times that Trump lays down the gauntlet of, this will be our foreign policy, and then this guy goes out there and then runs it. And ultimately, that is Donald Trump's fault. This is his subordinate. He lets him stay in power. So whatever damage Rex Tillerson does or does not do, Todd, I think that's entirely Trump's fault, too, because he lets him stay there to do it. That's absolutely true, and I think that speaks to... I'm not sure what ultimately the intent of the question was, but when you... And you answered it well, but what is his foreign policy? The answer in a broad, sweeping sense is probably that there isn't uh, one. And although we've diagnosed on the show before that that is tough to do for any man... Uh, these days because of the particular nature of the uh, realpolitik that we're dealing with now versus uh, the Cold War. It it still speaks to whether Donald Trump is just interested short of, you know, you, you have to totally grab him by the hand and shove, you know, yeah, he talks 
tough about North Korea, but does he, he he sees a silly guy wearing a weird suit doing weird Trump thing? It's actually almost a mirror image of Donald Trump, quite frankly, in some respects concerning foreign policy. You know, to what does it's all junk food to go back to Steve's previous conversation. Does he, is there any real food there that Donald Trump really digests on a regular basis with foreign policy? And my guess is the answer is pretty close to no. You know, this conversation reminds me of an article that was in the Washington Examiner a couple months ago. And it talked about, and you can Google it, it talked about suicide pact. And this whole idea that um, Tillerson and um, Steve Mnuchin and one other guy were all together. They work in the... um, in the cabinet positions, and they were like, okay, so if he goes against any one of us, we're all going to resign. Who, who the hell would fire, or who the hell would uh, hire somebody like that? Yeah. Like, how, how could you not see that in their in their character? So, again, it goes, it goes back to Trump, and it's not an excuse necessarily to rip on Trump. We're just saying this is his responsibility, because, as you pointed out, Steve, the speeches that he's given have been... Uh, for the most part, outstanding as it pertains to foreign policy. Um, But his subordinate is just undercutting him over and over and over again. It's it's one of those situations where... You're you're watching another dude get kicked in the nuts. Yeah, he's letting Rex Tillerson punk him. To use dude code language. He's letting him punk him. And that goes back to... If you would have told me... If we'd gone back 12 months ago, guys, and you'd have told me... That... Our big worry at the end of the first year of the Trump presidency is he's really not the authoritarian we feared. I'd have just... If there was anything I thought I could have banked on other than gravity, rain, and taxation and death, it would have been Trump essentially using the full weight and power of government to grind axes, to hire and fire whimsically at will for no reasons of apparent validity whatsoever, and just overall Napoleonic complex. I'd like to see some of that, actually. Because <laughs> we've, we've kind of seen the opposite. opposite. He's let people hang on long after they should have Priebus, and, and you can argue Bannon outlived their usefulness Bannon's Bannon's more of a benefit to Trump in what he's doing now, frankly, than he was in the White House. What is Priebus doing? Nothing. Wow. What's Spicer doing? Nothing. I mean, I, I, that's the part that I find mind blowing. I don't. I'm not shocked he can't stay on message. I'm not shocked we're still talking about Russia. I'm not shocked, uh, you know, that he struggles to govern because of you know where his focus is at, and his number one number one goal is to avoid accepting accountability. What I am shocked at, though. It's just that we just don't have heads rolling all the time. And when we have seen people come and go, it's been at the worst times for often the worst reasons. Here we have a guy that is openly undermining the most important sweeping power a president has, foreign policy. With the least amount of check and balance from the other See, branches. what are you talking about? Heads just rolled yesterday. Amorosa's gone, man. <laughs> yeah, who is that? <laughs> I didn't even know what an Amorosa was, man. I thought Ponderosa's closed a long time ago. <laughs> You, did, kind of you know who those. she is, right? I do now. I didn't know what a, um, Amorosa was. What is? It? I didn't know. I found out yesterday. I don't was she in the communications is. part of the she White House? On, like, she was on, she was on, on The Apprentice. An, I never saw an episode I never saw of The Apprentice, those either. I never saw an episode of that. Well, I, didn't, I saw I the, she, that season, that first season, but she's... That's what... He's... Because that. There's your answer. Because Amorosa was there in that White House in the first place. My wife was telling me that she was put <laughs> on something that Kelly 
called the No Fly List, and it was it, yeah. Kelly had his own No Fly List. And you don't for, get access to the president. Well, anytime there was a serious meeting that wasn't just you know Trump fluffery, she was like not allowed in the room along with others. That's awesome. But when that's see, that's like his. Is this preschool or the yeah, White House? The chief of yes. staff of the White Whoa. House. Yes. That's embarrassing. Well, that's why Rexy's still doing what he's doing. For hey, I, Rexy must. I mean, what the guy ran a you know a global company. Uh, whatever we think about his politics, you know, he must have some game. Self-preservation game. That's going to do it for today's free podcast. Don't forget to join us on CRTV.com, promo code DACE, to watch a spirited DACE Group Roundtable. Have a great weekend. Back at it again Monday. Three more shows to go in 2017. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.